This podcast was recorded on Gadigal land. So before we even start, I'd really like to pay my respects to the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, to all elders past and present. This land always was and it always will be Aboriginal land. Hey, welcome to the very first edition of Careful. My name is Rose and I honestly cannot believe this podcast is finally going out into the world because it nearly never happened. Have you ever started a project full of enthusiasm and excitement before life hits you just a little too hard and suddenly months and months have passed? Well, Careful is about finding out how people overcome that and what they overcome it for. Over the course of this podcast, I'm going to share with you conversations that I've had with people who are just really passionate about something in their lives, a cause, an interest, a speciality, whatever it is, they love it and I want to know why. I want to know how it fits in, especially when life gets busy and doubts creep in. This week, I chatted to someone who cares about something I actually also really love. Full disclosure, I also really love this thing. And that thing is community radio. I'd like to introduce you to Stephen Stockwell. When we chatted, he had just started as manager of 4ZZZ in Brisbane. And if you recognise his voice, it's probably from his time as a journo over at Triple J Hack. My name's Stephen Stockwell. I'm the station manager of 4ZZZ Community Radio in Brisbane. So this is, at the moment, uh, as we're talking, this is the end of week four um, and the end of my second week without... Um, the previous station manager shadowing me and me just like just sort of saying um and then pausing and waiting for her to turn around and answer <laughs> ask what I want to know um so it's been really good it's really fun it's been it's been really exciting so I'm stoked is it something that you saw yourself doing like years ago did you think this is what I'm going to do in the future or has it come out of the blue totally out of the blue like six months ago I wouldn't have seen myself doing this um I mean, I love Triple Z. I've always loved Triple Z. It is kind of like one of the defining, like defining things in my personality. I can't think of the right word for that at the moment, but it's like it's, if anything has defined my personality um, over anything else, the, the defining thing is Triple Z. It's sort of oh. like played a huge role in making me who I am. Um, and I love the place, but like because I love it and I know it so well, it was like, no way do I want to try and, like, look after that place. That was my thought, yeah. thinking process up until about September um, 2020. And then when the station manager, Grace, who I've just sort of su- succeeded, um, called me up and asked if I would consider applying for the role about an hour before I was going to get the Triple Z logo tattooed on my thigh. Um, <laughs> so I had plenty of time to think about it. Um, it was the first time I'd really kind of considered it. And I thought, you know what, you know, I've had... I've had a good run in the, the job I was doing at the ABC. I love Triple Z. She gave me a really good pitch about the you know, potential of the newsroom and a few other things at the station. And I just kind of like considered it properly for the first time. Like mm. I never really entertained it seriously. I was just, I just sort of wrote it off. And then I've got really excited about it. We're going to take it like way back just because I know that when I got into community radio myself, a lot of people don't even realize how a community radio station works. Mm. Could you give us kind of the spark notes on how a community radio station operates? Yeah, so basically a community radio station is kind of what it says in the box. Like it's a mm. it's a radio station for the community. So the idea is that it's a really open and accessible place for any members of usually a kind of specific community to come and get involved and make radio and kind of be a voice for their community in a way. So 
probably the, the, the most obvious kind of example of this, there's a lot of um, sort of multicultural broadcasters. So the example in Brisbane is 4EB, and that's a, a radio station that is working with a lot of different, um, you know, non-Australian nationalities to give them a voice for their communities and for people who have come from somewhere else to be able to find out news about what's happening in their language, um, about what's happening around them, what's happening at home, all that kind of stuff. So that's the easiest way to think about it. Um, mm-hmm. And they're, you know, they're almost exclusively run by volunteers. There's a few stations that have like, the bigger community radio station. I'm thinking like PBS and Triple R in Melbourne are able to sort of pay announcers and uh, like a wide range of staff. Most of them have a handful of paid staff and then kind of a hundred to a few hundred like volunteers, maybe 50 to sort of a few hundred volunteers in a lot of cases that make the programs, look after the websites, maintain all the technology, work at the front desks, um, help put on gigs, help do all the sound design, all that sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, it's basically just kind of like people's radio is a nice way to yeah. think about it. Do you remember the very first day you ever stepped foot in a community radio station? Yep. Yep. It was. What happened? It was a Thursday morning. It was oh. 8 a.m. Um, two days earlier, the news coordinators of Triple Z had come to a lecture of mine at uh, the University of Queensland where I was studying journalism and said, hey, we need you know volunteer journalists and volunteer newsreaders to come and read headlines on this radio station called Triple Z, which I'd heard of but knew very little about at this point. Um, and so I was like, yeah, I'll do it. Two days later, mm. rocked up, 8 o'clock in the morning, uh, knocked on the front door, uh, someone opened it, and I walked down the hallway of Triple Z to what was the, at the time the newsroom, which was this, like, not a huge room downstairs, like a few metres by a few metres with computers around, like, the like, three walls of this room. And they said, look, you jump on this computer in the corner, um, write the headlines, you're going to be reading them in an hour. Um, and I'd never written a headline before. Like, I was studying at UQ, which is really theory-based, so I hadn't done mm-hmm. any of that. And so I did it. I think they were probably terrible. Um, <laughs> I talk pretty fast as it is, and I went up to the studio and just raced through these headlines, absolutely terrified, oh. um, and then just kept going back. So <laughs> that's, that was it. I do, I do remember that first day pretty clearly, though. Oh, what a dream. When you said earlier that it's kind of this defining part of your personality, in what ways do you think that that shines through, aside from your tattoo? It's really reflected in my values. I thought I've been thinking a lot about this over the last few months, mm. um, and it came up when I was interviewing for the job as well. Because, like, when I got to Triple Z, I was in my like early twenties. I think I was twenty-one. Mm. Um, like, I'm like a white straight man, so like, you know, the challenge I'd, challenges I'd faced in my life at that point were like slim to none, basically. Um, and so, really, all I had was this kind of like general sort of anti-authoritarian bent. Um, that I picked up in school and nothing else really of substance in my kind of personality or character. Um, and then I got to Triple Z, which was really about making people, you know, being a really supportive voice for marginalised communities. So I, you know, I'd end up doing all of this stuff, looking at like issues that your first Australians were facing, like First Nations people in the country here are facing, um, looking at issues around, you know, gay and lesbian issues, LGBTIQ plus issues, stuff like that. Um, all of these things that I'd never really thought about and never really kind of reached out and started looking into, loads of environmental issues, all that sort of thing. And I started to, like, really care about them. And I met all these wonderful people who just sort of showed me that, you know, there's people's appearances can be really misleading. People Mm. are, like, can be really wonderful and really helpful people. It doesn't matter how they look. Um, There's a prisoner show at Triple Z, which is one of the things that helped me kind of realise that because this is a show called Locked In that, 
broadcasts letters from prisoners to prisoners. So they get sent a bunch of letters during the week and they'll read those letters out so people in other prisons can hear stories and people from prison can reach out and talk to their family members or people outside can send a letter to be read out for someone in prison to listen to. Um, and the people that run that show are ex-prisoners. So I met these people who were oh. like had gone to prison for murder um, and had come out and they were lovely. And I kind of like had this strong belief in them restorative justice and also like these huge dudes who look like, you know, the guys have been to prison, so they're massive. Mm. Um, and it's like I was terrified of them. And then I met them and they were just so lovely and so warm and just like really cared about people. And it helped me realise that, you know, it doesn't matter how anyone looks, they're really like, they're often really good people. And the thing that I love about Triple Z is it gives people that opportunity. It doesn't matter who you are, where you've come from. It's about what you can kind of do. Yeah. And that's kind of created this sort of foundation for me. And that was, and I've been thinking about this a lot, you know, going and working at the ABC after being at Triple Z mm -hmm. and kind of how it influenced my journalism. And I think a lot of people go into newsrooms and they get taught how to be a journalist before they've been taught anything else. Like you're going into a newsroom in your like late teens, early 20s in a lot of cases, you're just taught how to do news and then mm. your values and your approach to life comes after that. And I feel really lucky that I got to go to a place that I was taught news at but like not, that wasn't the focus. It was about just sort of reflecting the values of the station and being a good volunteer and a good part of Triple Z was what, what the priority was. Mm. And then I learned how to be a journalist after that. So I had this foundation of values that's really influenced the work that I've done um, which I feel really lucky to have had. It really, I think it raises an interesting point about forming values and studying journalism. I know that, like, I come from an environmental science background. Originally, I studied science. I'm very passionate about the environment. And also, probably from coming from community radio and um, coming from regional WA as well, I'm really, like, community and people-focused. And when I moved into broadcasting, sometimes I felt afraid that my values would influence my journalism and would influence the stories that I told. Have you ever found that your values have been like a hindrance in any way or made it hard to tell certain stories in news? I think if anything, they've made it easier because mm. like I've always just cared about people first. So I think, I think my values and my approach probably haven't made me as good a journalist as executive producers and editors would have liked because I've always prioritised the people that I talk to in the story. So if I'm doing a story and it's like, look, this is the net gain, this is the potential harm that can come of a person uh, who's involved with it or the risk involved with the person, mm -hmm. if I don't think that the the benefit outweighs the risk, then I don't I, I don't really want to do that story. And I'll be quite honest with people and be like, look, I appreciate that you want to talk about this, but this is the risk. And to be honest, I don't think it's worth it. Like this is what yeah. could happen. And I'm sure if some of my producers heard that, they'd be like horrified that that's how I was approaching things. But that was just like what I, I didn't want to be putting people in a position where they, you know, like got blowback from it or something harmed them just so I could, you know, put some cool music under a story that went for three minutes on a national radio station. Like that wasn't my priority. Like I wanted to make stories that would make a difference. That's why I was, you know, while I was at Hack, I was really just kind of like, I really made an effort to find those stories and find those people and build the relationships around stories as well. Like I was really, yeah. it was really nice to do a lot of stories on mental health and just like know that that was a good thing for people and just take the time to do that stuff well. Because um, again, I think you can kind of rush that. People just want to get like the interview or get a good grab. And I was just prepared to spend an extra day or an extra few hours just talking to people and explaining what we were going to do and learning about them so we could do it in a way that didn't cause them any harm or any difficulty you know, just so we could put a radio, put a story on the radio at some point. Do you think that journalists should have more of a responsibility to care about sensitive issues in a more sensitive manner? Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Like the, the idea of 
I think the thing that always horrified me and still is like uncomfortable, but less happens less. When I was studying at um, university, there was this, always this conversation around something called a death knot. Like an editor will go, up, and usually it's a junior reporter. So they'll go up to mm-hmm. a junior reporter in a, a newsroom and be like, hey, um, this person's family member has just died. Can you go and knock on their door and ask them for a quote for the story? And like That's invariably cool. they'll tell you to fuck off. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just have to like, you just sort of, and it's like, it's not pleasant for them. It's not good for like the person who has to do it. Cause no one feels good out of this. It's just like, you have to do it because they want to feel, they want to, they want to quote from the family because that's going to sell papers or whatever. And I think that's awful. Like just yeah. the fact that that's an approach. Like I've had to approach people, um, when I've been making, um, obituary packages for people. And recently mm-hmm. I did one on Michael Gudinski, which is one of the, mm-hmm. like, the last story I actually made at Hack. And as part of that, I was, I had to approach people just to, you know, sort of ask if they wanted to share anything. And that's like, there's a way you can do it. There's a value to it. Like with something like an obituary rather than a new story, like an obituary yeah. is a reflection of someone's life and, and it's honoring their legacy in a way. But I think the idea of going to knock on someone's door just oh. to be like, to get a quote in a story is just awful. I think there's, yeah. there's a right and a wrong way to do it. And I think, you know, those values that I had were just like, this is obviously not a pleasant thing to have to do, but it's, you know, you're sort of inquiring with a few people just going, hey, look, Whenever I was doing that, and certainly with that case, I was talking to people who knew the people I was calling. I was like, look, do you think it's appropriate that I call? Like, could, should yeah. I call? And you can just kind of check those details. When it comes to the death knock, that's not the point. Like, that's that was probably originally what they were trying to do. Yeah. Um, but somewhere along the way of this starting as a practice 50 years ago or 60 or 70 years ago, it just became, oh, we just need something in the paper. With the news side of things, I think it's interesting how you know community radio stations do report on local issues what do you think the importance is of that and not just hearing the national headlines oh it's in it's incredibly important and i think there's an op- there's a huge opportunity at the moment for community radio stations and this is one of the reasons that i was you know that the job was sold to me and sold me very well is that there's a huge imp- like huge importance for like community radio stations and huge role for them to play in just like looking at those things that the big like newspapers and radio stations and websites aren't looking at. And the way that journalism funding is going in Australia is like not good. Mm-hmm. So that's going to get like good journalism going to be good journalism is going to be done less and less. There are a handful of like top tier reporters in, in Brisbane. And so all of these stories are just getting missed a lot of the time. So there's a lot of like, you know, stories of national importance out of Brisbane will get done, but stories of like state and local importance out of Brisbane, even if they're like quite big stories often won't, be gotten to or won't be covered because organisations don't have the resources to do it. So there's this yeah. just like wonderful opportunity for people to get along and cover those stories and really like bring the voices of those communities to, uh, you know, the audience that needs to hear them. Um, and Triple Z's really fortunate in the sense that we are this kind of like, we want to sort of connect and amplify the local communities that we're associated with. So, you know, marginalised voices, people that can't find a place anywhere else. And those stories and those issues are covered even less than the other yeah. ones. So there's this huge wealth of information and all this huge wealth of news that needs to get out people need to be hearing about that is you know sitting there basically right for the picking for a lot of the you know the reporters that that we've got at the station and it's a matter of just kind of like giving them the skills and showing them the steps they need to do to get that stuff out there um i think can make a real difference because they're just like so passionate and they're so excited about it and they want to get that to a bigger audience yeah and they don't have anyone telling them oh no you can't do that you've got to do this other story because that's exactly. going to go out <laughs> mm. you can have the time to kind of 
let it sit and explore it both for the person doing it for their experience but also for the story itself it's a bit of a win-win yeah totally and it's just like the experience that they get from doing that is fantastic and like that's the great thing about community radio as well as the autonomy it's just this like because there's so many volunteers i can't tell them what to do like i'm not even going to try um (laughs) but i know that they all believe and understand the ethos and the values of triple z and as long as they're working towards like as long as they're upholding that like they can do whatever they want like and it's it just that autonomy means that People can focus on what interests them and what they think is important, and that's the kind of value of it. As someone who obviously, you know, cares a lot about a lot of issues <laughs> and journalism in itself, you know, whether it's at ABC or um, with community radio or anything you've ever worked on, mm. it, it is like, like, I mean, I'm we're both sitting here at 7 p.m. recording a podcast. <laughs> like, it's something that takes up a lot of your time. Mm. Have you ever found that? caring so much about these things has meant that you've had to give up other things or other things you do care about? I think I've always just cared about them most. Yeah. So, like, I've definitely, I would have definitely sacrificed things in the past. Like, certainly, yeah. like, when I was going through university, like, relationships were not a priority for me at all because I was just, like, having a fucking great time at Triple Z mm-hmm. and just wasn't interested in kind of, like, developing anything like that or, like, building any relationships around that. Um, so I think that's probably something that I missed out at the start. But, again, it's, like, I have no regrets about that at all. So that's probably the main thing, but I like it's not something that I'm able to balance that now in a way that's like much healthier and has worked out really well. I think I had this moment when I was in university where like I was getting really just like caught up in like university politics. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, really involved. I was trying to like, I was trying to win, like, I was trying to get, they have to win basically the, the university newspaper in the election if you want to edit that. I really wanted to do that. So I was trying to, like, run this campaign to, like, win the, like, the popular vote to edit the newspaper. And you get really caught up in the politics and the minutia of that. And, like, I was there was, like, a, a period of few days where it was just, like, all I was thinking about and all that was in my mind. And I remember getting home from uni one day and, like, just turning on the TV and News 24 was on and it was, like, news from somewhere else in the world. And it was just, mm. like, hang on a second. Like, this thing that I've been, like, has occupied all my mind for, like, a week or however long it had been and just like this huge had been this huge drain on me it was just like hang on that doesn't matter like that's yeah. this isn't as important as I think it is um you know this like there's people dying on the other side of the world this is like that's a real struggle like what I've got is nothing and that perspective was really as like I think about that a lot when I'm getting into stories and when I'm getting too caught up in things because yeah. you can really get caught up in stuff so I think if I hadn't had that experience I would have gotten caught up in stuff and I would have started sacrificing much more um, but having that perspective to just go, what matters to me? What's important to me? Um, what do I need to be doing? That's kind of what works. I mean, at the moment, I'm sacrificing a lot of sleep. And I'm sacrificing a lot of time, <laughs> like just to have my girlfriend because I'm at work a lot. Um, yeah. But I'm like, I know how to balance that now. I've got a much more experience in doing that. So I think that's just the stuff you just need to kind of keep a check on. Like you, you, yeah. can, you can balance a lot. Um, you just need to kind of be aware of how much time you've got in a day. Mm. Um and just how to kind of reserve your energy for stuff as well, like just recognising when you're being burnt out. Because I got really burnt out last year and had to actually take a few days off work to just sort of like have a break mm. and just like check back in with myself. And I think that's kind of the important part is just sort of knowing when you're close to your limit and stopping before you get there and yeah. taking a break and just looking after yourself. And like I consider myself a very mentally sound person um, and it was only through the work I'd done at, at Hack looking at like mental health and working on those stories and just sort of like not having any stigma or concern about how that would look for me by doing that. Then I felt comfortable 
being able to be like, you know what, I just need a couple of days off. Like, it's, I'm not helping anyone by being here. It's going to get worse if I don't take a break. Like, I just need to step away and do that. And it's just, I think you can, like, you can give up stuff, you can lose stuff, but you don't necessarily have to. Like, if you know what your priorities are and you know what you care about, you can you can balance stuff, um, at least in my experience. I know a lot of other people's experiences probably be different with sort yeah. of like lots of different issues. And everyone's kind of levels of how much they can fit in are different, but as long as you're kind of listening and knowing what your limit is, that's the most important thing. Yeah, totally. I'm going to let you go very shortly, but before I do, I need to ask if someone is like, oh, wow, okay, community radio does sound really cool. Obviously everyone's in different states and have different community radio stations they could volunteer at, Mm -hmm. but do you have any kind of first steps you recommend for someone if they wanted to be involved? I reckon listen to the station a bit. Um, but, like, don't make a judgment call based on what you listen to. Because, like, if you listen to Triple Z on a, sun- like a Sunday morning at uh, 10.30, you'll get the jazz show. Um, mm. But if you listened at 9.30 on a Monday night, you get the punk show. Yeah. Um, and if you listened, you know, that's the kind of, like, the breadth of the programming you'll get on community radio. Um, so do a bit of research, have a look around, see who's doing stuff that you like. And there's, like, to be honest, there's not a lot of options. So, like, you know, if you're in Brisbane, come and hang out at Triple Z. I'd love to have you. And just like have a look around, see what you like, and just like get in touch and just be like, yeah. hey, I want to kind of do stuff. Um, mm. I'm interested. And, you know, I'm not sure the process of a lot of other stations, but we'll, you know, if you get in touch with Triple Z, it's like a volunteer induction. So someone will hook you up and show you around the station and talk about how it all works. If you want to get involved, like, there's no pressure. You just kind of like pop back another time and just kind of all go from there. So it's all pretty straightforward. And like, it's not like finding like a psych or anything like that where you've got to try a few different ones to get there. Mm. But you do, like, any community organisation is interesting. Community radio is fun as well because it's like, you know, it's all volunteers. So, like, sometimes you really have to make an effort to get involved, like, crack through. Because sometimes, like, you know, there might be, like, a handover in some volunteer role and just no one gets back to you and, like, don't take it personally. They've just dropped the ball. And, like, Mm -hmm. that's what happens to community radio stations at the times. That's what my job is to pick up, basically. Any experience level is accepted and welcome at almost any community radio station. They just want people that care about it, want to, like, uphold the values of whatever the stations, like whatever the station is and just like be a contributor and have fun and just enjoy themselves. Like it's about your personal experience more than what the station gets out of it. If you like it, hang around. If you don't like it, that's fine. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like I definitely feel now after this, I'm like, okay, I got two things to add. I reckon <laughs> it's, I a hundred percent agree with you. It's what you like put in, you can get out. And the second thing I'm going to add to that is even if you're not interested in journalism as a career or radio presenting as a career, I know so many volunteers who do it just because they really like it. Totally. But it's just like, everyone's there kind of working to a, a sort of like just something bigger than themselves. And yeah. Like, I'm not, like, my job at station man- as a station manager there is just to, like, steward it through. Like, I just need to, like, I just need it to, like, my goal is don't make it any worse. Ideally, make it heaps better and, like, get more <laughs> people involved. But as long as I leave it in a better state than I found yeah. it and hand it over to someone else who's going to do a great job, then I'll be happy with what I've done. And if I, at some point, help someone get a career in journalism or help them learn something about themselves or tell a story that's important to them, then, like, sick. What a bonus. Thank you so much for listening to the first ever episode of Careful. And of course, if you're listening, thank you so much, Stephen, for your time, enthusiasm and words of wisdom. 
So I have a day job (laughs) and a need for work-life balance that honestly I haven't quite figured out yet. So I'll be back in a fortnight with the second episode of Careful. In the meantime, please subscribe, leave me a review or come over and find me on Instagram at rosie.zkurt. And if you liked the podcast, even better, please share it with a friend. And let me know if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast. That's all from me. I'll catch you next time.